You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, your pal, and the Katie copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Today on the show, there's a little bit of news and notes. Uh, there's a little bit of rumor going around, so we're going to cover that stuff. I also want to talk to you a little bit about some of the contract stuff I didn't get a chance to uh, talk to you about, because this is the last show we have before next week. And next week, of course, is when Tampa starts and, and free agency in earnest begins. So obviously we're going to have a lot to talk about. So this is going to be kind of the last chance to talk about some of the, uh, I guess, important stuff you need to know about before you get into free agency. And uh, one last thing that we have to talk about as well is the class of free agent safeties. I, I really wanted to make sure I got into that because that is kind of a glaring need for the Vikings. They currently have Harrison Smith and like Josh Metellus on the roster. So that's definitely something uh, that needs to be addressed. But first, let's go with the actual news. So uh, the the only transaction that happened on Thursday was that the punter took a pay cut. Britton Colquitt took a pay cut down to the veteran minimum. So he took the maximum pay cut allowed uh, per his contracts and the rules and stuff, uh, about 1.3, 1.4 million shaved off of his deal to save the Vikings money against the cap. I would assume that the, I mean, the Vikings normal move here is to approach that player and kind of say, hey, we need cap space. Will you give us cap space? And if not, you know, we're probably going to cut you for that cap space either way. So do you want to get some of your contract or none of your contract? And that's the, the kind of the deal they give to players and, and then it's up to the players you know Kyle Rudolph took the cut option uh the, the like release me and let's try free agency option Britton Colquitt took the stay option and he had a very nice sentiment that I'll link in the show notes about how excited he is to stay in Minnesota and how he's happy to help the team and let's go win a Super Bowl and all that great stuff so that happened um it, of course you know that definitely solidifies that Britton Colquitt will be the punter, right? They, they probably aren't going to go out and like draft a punter or anything since Colquitt has taken a, a pay cut to stay, which is all, always nice. I thought Colquitt had a pretty rough season in 2020, but he was better in uh, 2019 and, and maybe he can get himself back to form. I also thought a lot of the punting issues came down to long snapping when uh, Austin Cutting was kind of having his meltdown in the middle of the season. That really skewed a lot of the stats as well. So maybe he can get himself back to form. But I think more interestingly, there's a lot of rumors going around right now. That's the only cap thing that happened. So any other cap stuff, and there probably will be other cap stuff. Rick Spielman uh, told one of the reporters, I forget who, I apologize. Uh, but, you know, Rick Spielman has kind of said, like, you know, there's more restructures, there's more stuff to do. Um, and so they'll probably try to clear up a little bit more space. I think after the Colquitt thing, they're a little bit over $10 million uh, in cap space uh, under the cap. So they are going to want to make more than that, I guess, to, you know, go figure out their offensive line problems. They need a safety. They've got a lot of roster work to do. So I imagine there's going to be a big flurry over the weekend, and we'll have to catch up on all of that on Monday. But the rumors are pretty interesting. So I figured let's do a quick little rumor roundup of everything that I've at least seen seen that has some credibility and, and you might have seen rumors that I don't mention here. I, I either I didn't see them or I did see them and I didn't think that they came from credible enough sorted sources to lend them credence right now. Uh, but obviously 
as you know more reputable places pick those things up then i'll cover them uh, at that point but for now uh doogie D- darren wolfson for kstp has kind of led a lot of these chris thomason has led a lot of these as well so a lot of the the reports are coming from there ben guessling at the star tribune and you know a whole host of other people many of whom have been on this show like courtney cronin chad graff and uh, the one that i guess got the most discussion on thursday was orlando brown so on uh, doogie's podcast on wolfson's podcast the scoop over at score north he said a week or two ago that the vikings hadn't reached out about orlando brown who's been looking for a trade orlando brown in baltimore he wants to play left tackle they're gonna put him at right tackles who says don't trade me somewhere i want to go play left tackle he played some left tackle uh in relief of of ronnie stanley ronnie stanley's going to come back healthy for the ravens and so there's not going to be a place for a left tackle he wants to play left tackle and and he actually put out a statement that he's like you know it's not just that like i think that it's like more comfortable or that you know left tackles make more money than right tackles which is that gap is kind of shrinking every day uh but his dad played left tackle so he, I think he kind of wants to follow in his dad's footsteps and there's something a little bit more personal to it than that, which like, sure, um, that wouldn't be a problem with the Vikings either. He would definitely play left tackle because the Vikings have a right tackle that they would probably prefer not to move if they, you know, had the luxury of doing so. And uh, Wolfson came out today and said, yeah, no, actually they have now called about Orlando Brown. And I think he, he tried to make it clear that like, it's just a phone call. Like they're just kind of asking around what's the price. And that doesn't necessarily imply that there's too much steam to it yet, but a conversation has at least started. So that's something personally, I'm not a huge fan of Orlando Brown for the Vikings. Um, I, I think his scheme fit is probably fine. And Wilson kind of said, you know, the Vikings aren't that worried about his scheme fit. Um, he doesn't like fit the typical mold that you would get from, from Vikings linemen where, you know, they're kind of like smaller and quicker. And that's like the way that they do things and Orlando Brown is like very big and if you look at his combine numbers his combine numbers are terrible he's like big and slow um, but I also think his combine numbers are, are skewed a little bit by something that I do think is concerning but for a different reason which he had a bad combine and a lot of times when you have a combine that underrepresents your athleticism it's because you didn't get trained for it right you know you didn't take the, the different drills seriously you know you didn't learn how to run out of sprinters blocks and stuff because oh why should I bother and something like that that sort of attitude can sometimes manifest itself on the field as like motor issues and, you know, did you finish the play? Did you play to the whistle and that kind of stuff? And from my own cursory watching of Orlando Brown, I don't come away particularly impressed with his motor. And that is, I, I guess my my hang up there but him at left tackle and his scheme fit, i think he could get to the second level fine and of course he can pass protect well so that would be really great and then it's just a matter of compensation which we don't really know right I'm th- i think they've just started the conversation of it in general and there's a lot of other teams trying to trade for orlando brown as well elsewhere in the rumor mill uh, we talked about yesterday if you were uh, listening to the show we talked about kevin zeitler i think there's still plenty of steam to that they've wanted him for two or three years um they tried to trade for him when he was on the browns they tried to trade for him when he was on the giants and now he's hitting the market there's going to be a bunch of teams in on his market as well so it'll be a difficult winning uh bidding war to win but the vikings will definitely be in the thick of it um they've also been interested in joe thuny for a while darren wolfson said that on uh the happy hour at climbing the pocket with my good buddy matt uh he who hosts that he said talked about joe thuny he talked about uh the the zeitler and, and orlando brown he even talked about a possible geno atkins thing i'll link that in the show notes for you um geno atkins has been kind of tossed around i've seen william jackson tossed around i don't know if i've seen it from a reputable source yet but i've seen it from a number of places so maybe there's a little bit of smoke to that that would be awesome i would love william jackson in in the building um so th- that's a few people that i i guess names that have been floated and then internally um it seems like the vikings and anthony barr are still kind of at a standoff i don't know if that 
even gets resolved. Of course, it doesn't have to now. Like, there's not a lot of pressure since they're under the cap and they can go do free agency things and they kind of have all the way until they have to sign their rookies is the next time that they, like, really have to come up against a cap deadline. Um, They just have to now stay under the cap. You have to be cap compliant now from March 17th all the way through the year. So there isn't as much pressure on, say, the Anthony Barr thing as there was on the Riley Reef thing where, you know, that le- that leads to his release. But we'll see what happens on the offensive line and all this stuff. Of course, we'll all be watching it like a hawk uh, over the course of the weekend. If you want to get in on some uh, some grambling action this weekend, you, there's still probably time you can go to betonline.ag. You can bet on NFL futures, you know, where's Russell Wilson going to end up, stuff like that. You can bet on NBA, MLB games, whatever you want, even reality TV or award shows, all of that is at betonline.ag. Really, really expansive. And if you go and sign up, it's free to sign up on your uh, mobile or your computer. You can go to betonline.ag, make your free account, and then on your first deposit, enter promo code Locked On. You get a bunch of free money, 50% welcome bonus. That means in your first deposit, for every $100, you get 50 extra dollars to play with. So it's a whole bunch of free money. Go take advantage of it at betonline.ag. I also want to talk to you about Built Madness. If you are unfamiliar uh, in the Locked On NFL, DMs, we've been arguing for weeks about what the best built bar flavor is. It's still like heated conversation. It's it's blown up well beyond my wildest expectations. And now they're doing a March Madness style bracket over at builtbar.com. You can go to builtbar.com and vote. You can go to uh, at bar underscore built on Twitter and get involved. Today's matchup is kind of a tough one. It's cookies and cream versus churro puff. And these are way healthier than those sound. All coated in 100% chocolate, but they're low-calorie, low-sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. They're even keto-friendly if you're into that. So head on over to BuiltBar.com, enter promo code LOCKEDON20, that's all one word, LOCKEDON20. You can get it 20% off of your next order at BuiltBar.com, and you can help us settle our differences about which flavor is the best Built Bar flavor at BuiltBar.com. On a far less uh, fun and silly note, it is the one-year anniversary of the NBA shutting down. It was actually yesterday was the one-year anniversary, and on Locked On Today, David Locke, who uh, calls Utah Jazz games, and he was there for that Utah Jazz game where Rudy Gobert tested positive and it kind of set the whole thing in motion, and he recounted his whole experience. So go check that out on the Locked On Today podcast. It is a daily podcast covering all the biggest news in all of the world of sports, 20 minutes or less, every morning with Peter Bukowski. Make sure you go check that out. Now, I want to switch gears to a little bit of uh, cap school, I guess. The last cap school we're going to have here um, until contracts start actually getting signed, and, and then I'll explain those. But um, something that we haven't really talked about a lot in general is contract incentives. And y- you see the words thrown around a lot, right? Oh, what if we get this player on a, you know, kind of an incentive-heavy contract or, you know, get him on incentives or get him on a backloaded deal with a lot of incentives in it. And you, it's kind of a, a, a cure-all sort of to, hey, we can't afford this player, but we want this player and let's just make it just give him contract incentive contract incentives or this player is good but uncertain for whatever reason there's an injury or off field or whatever so let's give him contract incentives and that way we're not risking too much and that's generally the idea but how do contract incentives actually work against the salary cap because obviously do they count if i say hey you get a million dollars if you get a hundred sacks do I have to pay a million dollars against the salary cap for that? Because there's no way he's getting it, right? So here's how that all works. So you can, as part of a negotiation, put in a contract incentive. We'll use Stephen Weatherly's as an example because it has a big incentive in it. It has $500,000 for sacks, and it escalates. So there's a bunch of levels to it. And if he gets three sacks, I think it's like 200 k And if he gets five sacks and seven sacks, he gets 500 k or something like that. 
And so the way it works, if he gets all seven sacks, he gets $500,000, right? That's really the, the way it works cash-wise between the player and the team. That's it. But against the cap, you kind of have to figure out a rule for how this works, right? So you divide it into two categories. There are likely-to-be-earned incentives and not likely-to-be-earned incentives. Likely-to-be-earned incentives. Let's say, hey, if you get one tackle, you get a million dollars. Well, that's probably going to happen. So the salary cap will make you make room for that. That'll count against the salary cap and say, hey, you got to have room for that because that's probably going to happen. Uh, a not likely to be earned incentive, like 100 sacks, that doesn't count against the cap unless it happens. And if it does happen, then it uh, rolls into next year's cap. So if you tell somebody, all right, 13 sacks, you get $5 million, and then they hit that $5 million mark, well, now you're on the hook for $5 million you didn't know if you were or weren't going to pay. So it hits your salary cap the next year. You can almost think of it as kind of a, a dead cap or a rollover kind of cost of sorts. And it sort of rolls over the other way too. You know, if you give somebody an incentive, hey, th- hit 13 sacks and they don't hit it, and let's say it's a likely to be earned incentive. So let's say, hey, if you get five sacks and we think you're going to get five sacks it's probable that you're going to get five sacks and then they fall short they get injured or something they don't hit that five sacks well you had to make room for that in your current year salary cap because it was a likely to be earned incentive so you had to make space for it um because if they hit it then it would hit your cap like immediately but if it doesn't if they don't hit the incentive and therefore they don't get the money then that cap space would just roll over into the next year if you know they go on ir or something like that and you know they're not going to hit the incentive then you kind of know okay now that's space that i can play with because that's not going to come back um and, and this can get a little dicey you get into situations like what happened with riley reef earlier in uh in the off season where he had missed a snap counts incentive because he went on the covid 19 list in week 17 and they ran enough offensive snap to like ruin his percentage of snaps played by like six snaps it was kind of a bad beat and in good faith the Vikings said okay here just like have your million dollars and turned out you know the negotiation didn't get done anyways because of the way the market did we talked about that yesterday uh, but that's a kind of show of good faith thing that the team actually technically doesn't have to do but the Vikings did to kind of up- uphold their reputation as a-, a team that will you know take care of their players so there's one question that might be bouncing around your mind after all this which is well how do you know if it's likely or unlikely to be earned how can you like predict that what if it's really close Close. What if, you know, you, you say the over-under on Hercules Mata Office Axe is two? Is that likely or not likely? Should that count or shouldn't it count? What about Stephen Weatherly's, right? He didn't get any sacks last year, but obviously things could change, you know, back in a familiar environment under Andre Patterson again. Things could get a little bit better. And that is the key. What did he do last year? That is, for the most part, I think in some corner cases it doesn't work this way, but for the most part, it is, did they accomplish that last year? So sometimes you get incentives that sort of uh, abuse that part of it, or maybe not abuse, but, you know, they kind of uh, play right into that part of it. Let's say, you know, last year that player got nine sacks, and you say, okay, nine and a half sacks, you get an incentive. Well, that is a not likely to be earned incentive, because that's more than he got last year, and that's kind of where the line is drawn. The Vikings have used that in the past as well. And then if they do hit that number, it's a not likely to be earned incentive, so they don't have to bother paying it off until next year. They have access to that cap space for a little bit longer. And if they don't hit it, you didn't have to pay at all. And this can be a useful tool for, you know, negotiating with a player that is maybe enshrouded in some uncertainty that has some injuries or something like that. And you say, well, I, we don't really know if you're going to come back or not. So if you're going to come back and be good, then great. If you're not going to come back and if you're going to stay hurt or if you have an off field or if you just are an 
inconsistent player in general and you don't hit these marks, we don't want to pay for you to not hit these marks. But if you do hit these marks, then yeah, we're happy to have paid for that performance. And you sort of take a probabilistic element out of it. And that's really where the smarts of incentives can come in if you navigate it properly. So quick recap, because I know that was all really rambly. There are likely to be earned incentives and not likely to be earned incentives. If it's a likely to be earned incentive, it works the way you think it works. That player gets money if they hit the incentive and the second you you give them that money, you know, if they make $5 million because they hit their sack incentive, that $5 million counts against the cap the second you give it to them. And not likely to be earned incentive, which is one that is like an incentive that is higher than what they did last year. So all of Stephen Weatherly's incentives are not likely to be earned because he didn't get any sacks last year. Those won't count against this year's cap if Stephen Weatherly hits them they'll count against next year's cap. So if Steven Weatherly has a 10-sack season, really great season, and he hits all his incentives and he gets every penny of that $500,000, that will be a $500,000 cap charge that goes on 2022, but 2021 will be left alone. Roughly, that is how salary cap incentives work. So if you see them in contracts in the coming days, now you know. Now listen, I would not wish car trouble on anyone. Car trouble can be so stressful and it can be expensive, especially because you're in kind of, you're backed up against the car. You want to talk about negotiation leverage, right? You don't even have a car. The mechanic can charge you whatever he wants and you're probably going to have no choice but to say yes to it because the alternative is not having a car, not being able to get to work or get around wherever you need to get around. But you do have another option. It's rockauto.com where you can get all of the parts your car will ever need. Just head on over to rockauto.com, enter your make, your year, and your model, and they will sort out all the parts that are compatible with your car, and then you can choose what you want from there. It takes a whole bunch of research out of the process for you, and you save a buck because they don't charge anything different for their retail customers versus their wholesale buyers, like some of the brick and mortar auto shops do. So head on over to rockauto.com and at checkout in the How You Heard About Us section, let them know that Locked On sent you. If you don't, I'm going to have to take to the streets, and the next like five or six of these bits are going to get really dark. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. If you're like me and you need a little bit of help trying to make your your grambles successful, you can go to the Locked On Bets podcast. Your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling have everything you need there. They have daily locks, wrong team favorite, all sorts of other great stuff at the Locked On Bets podcast, and they can help you out. So the last thing I want to talk about here, last thing of the week, next week is it. It's free agency. The whirlwind is going to come. We're going to talk about everything that happens. But the last thing I want to leave you with is the safeties. And I've kind of neglected this, so I apologize for that. But we have a little bit of time left at the end of the week here to go over it. So let's do it. And so the, the top of the list here, a lot of these guys got franchise tagged, right? Justin Simmons, Marcus Williams, Marcus May, they all got franchise tags. So they're off the market. So the best safety on the market, again, is Anthony Harris. And just like last year, Brad Spielberger, who does these projections, uh, he's been on the show. He has Anthony Harris making $14 million a year again. And I, I think that's just a little too rich for the Vikings' blood. Um, and I think the way that he played in 2020, while I... I will make a lot of excuses for him. I think there are some reasonable excuses with the players around him and the things he was asked to do with, you know, protecting the corners. And then he was kind of hung out to dry by like Eric Wilson a lot. Um, that made him look worse than he actually was. Uh, and I think he can return to elite form wherever he goes. If, you know, if they ask him to do things that he is good at. And I think the Vikings, I think it's just time to, you know, let him go get paid, let let him go get a comp pick back. And, and, you know, let's see, uh, let's see what else we can do. The next guy on the list that's available, I think is really interesting is John. John Johnson. Now, John Johnson is going to make, uh, according to Spielberger, he's got the four years, $13.75 million a year, so franchise tag a year. Um, and, and that's really interesting because he is a little bit 
I don't know, off the radar. It might just be name bias because he has a simple name. Um, but he's played very, very well in Los Angeles. He's been part of that defense that ranked number one in yards this year. And I, I think with good reason, he's a ball hawk. He would be really, really exciting to bring into Minnesota. But if that's the price tag, I think we can do a little better. There's somebody who I've uh, actually, a couple people up next who I've actually uh, advocated in one way or another. Xavier Woods, who I advocated in an article uh, earlier in the offseason. He's versatile. He can uh, play slot corner if you want to. He can play in the box. He can play deep. I think he kind of fell off in 2020, so you're buying low a little bit, and there is risks with that. Maybe you can use some of the incentive tricks we just talked about. Uh, but you can probably get, I think, a reasonable value there. Spielberger has him at uh, six and a quarter million a year for four years, and if you can make a uh, make a deal for that, I, I think there's a really high likelihood that that turns out. I like thinking about that probabilistically. It's not a sure thing, and nobody else, nobody ever would be, but I, I, I like the odds. Uh, the next one, two million a year, one year, two million uh, dollar deal for Malik Hooker would be awesome. I, I would be super into it. Obviously, Malik Hooker has had so many injury issues, um, and he's had so much trouble staying healthy for the Colts. Uh, this is my uh, weird take. If you want to chase the rabbit on the 20, uh, 2017 draft where the Vikings didn't have a first-round pick because of the Bradford trade and all that, they picked 14 that year. Malik Hooker was on the board, and they didn't know about Anthony Harris yet. He hadn't really broken out yet, so I think they would have taken Malik Hooker. I mean, the consensus player that's falling down the board, Malik Hooker, people saw him as a top-10 pick, and he was there. I think he ended up getting picked like 15th or 16th. 16th, um, that consensus player that's falling, you know, the Vikings really do often go for that player. You know, Kenny Willekes was that kind of guy. Justin Jefferson was Eric Kendricks. I think a lot of people had him in the first round. They got him in the second round, et cetera. They, they will go with that player. I think it was a very Vikingsy pick they would have made. And, uh, they thought safety was a need at the time. They still had Sandejo playing and they didn't really know about Anthony Harris and what they had on that roster. I think, uh, Malik Hooker absolutely would have been part of that. And you can write that wrong now. And he comes at such a short, uh, such a small deal, two million a year. If that's true, no guaranteed money, all in the incentives in the world. He's a bit of a, he, you know, he's more of an Ed Reed than a Troy Polamalu, if you will. He's more of a kind of fielding safety, and so he doesn't quite carry that same versatility that you're looking for to pair with Harrison Smith. But if you can only have Harrison Smith do one thing, being a disruptor and being a, a kind of, you know box safety, running around the field, screwing up run plays, screwing up pass protections. Um, and, you know, if he has to go play too high and be there, that that's fine. But, you know, if you just always have a guy to play the kind of boring high safety role and then Harrison Smith does all the interesting stuff, that is kind of, I think, if, in lieu of everyone does everything, which I think is the ideal safety state, I, I guess that's the next best thing. It's just a matter of if he would stay healthy. Keanu Neal for $5 million a year would be really interesting. Um, he has played, so he's been injured, and he's also played in uh, Pete Carroll single high systems. Um, I think that Mike Zimmer asks a little bit more from his safeties than that, but I, I certainly wouldn't be opposed to this, and I, I've been kind of a, I've had a little bit of a crush on, on Keanu Neal uh, ever since his draft year. Uh, the next one I have been kind of advocating for in multiple junctures here is Jaquiski Tart. He's uh, he's 29. He played in a reasonably versatile scheme with uh, Robert Sala. He hasn't exactly been a, a barn burner, but he's always been okay. And at four and a half million dollars a year, he can come in, you know, play the role and he won't be the superstar, but he will enable the other superstars. I think he's like good enough to do that. And I think the biggest draw is that he does do everything. You know, maybe he's a jack of all trades, master of none. And maybe that's exactly what we're looking for. For. Uh, Deron Harmon is a really interesting name here for uh, coming off of the Lions. He's uh, 
a little long in the tooth, not too bad. He'll be 31 when the season starts. Um, and he's also been a, a very consistent player and he played a lot of man coverage in Detroit. That was really uh, Matt Patricia's thing was man coverage. And that's a really hard thing. Um, and I don't know if there's anything that he doesn't quite do. He played a lot, of course, in those Patriot systems as well, where they ask their players to be pretty versatile. So I, I think scheme fit wise, I'm pretty good there. So we, we've got a kind of a big Goldilocks streak here. Xavier Woods, Malik Hooker. I would take Keanu Neal at that price. I would take Jaquiski Tart at his price. Uh, and Deron Harmon for $6 million a year. I'd probably, I don't know. I, I think I'm less excited than him. And I think maybe just because there are so many players in the Goldilocks bucket that we can probably put him in the too expensive for what he offers kind of bucket um, and, and maybe at, let ourselves get priced out of him because there's a lot of other players I'm interested in. Here's a really interesting name, Trey Boston. Now, Trey Boston's coming off a down year, right? So again, you're buying low, $2.25 million a year, one-year deal. But maybe the reason for that down year is because Carolina asked him to be versatile and it didn't work out. And that might be a turnoff to you. Um, and again, because there are guys like Jaquiski Tart and, you know, if you want to take a flyer on Malik Hooker, uh, you know, guys like Xavier Woods that I think are a little bit more exciting, I'm going to put Trey Boston in the no Trey Boston in the no thank you bucket. Uh, but I don't know, you you could definitely talk me out of that. Rayshon Jenkins is next. He played for the Los Angeles Chargers. He would come at three million a year. So again, this would be a, a little bit more of a bargain bin option. And as a bar, like if I'm going to go for a bargain bin option, I want the Malik Hooker ceiling where, you know, you're getting a guy that a lot of people saw as a top 10 draft pick and he just hasn't stayed healthy versus a guy that I, I think Rayshon Jenkins is a little bit of a ceiling. He's covered fine as a free safety, but he has not been very good in the box and in run defense. And I think that's important. You know, you kind of need all the pieces working there. And if he's good, he's going to be okay in one part of the game and a liability in the other. I'm fine with passing there. Uh, Tashawn Gibson is really interesting. He'll be 31 when the season starts. He's had plenty of good season. He was on that 2017 Jacksonville defense. He was on some interesting Browns units. Um, but ultimately, he's always been kind of average or above average. Honestly, at $2.75 million a year, I'd put him in the Goldilocks bucket for this. I, I think that's a really interesting name. I, I, I could definitely get behind that. You could take a flyer on Earl Thomas for $3.5 million a year. He's been out of football for a year. Obviously, things you, you got some things to check in on, right? There's some off-field and what happened in Seattle and what happened kind of since then. Um, and he's also, you know, that that only free safety type. He's that Ed Reed, you know, play center field kind of kind of player, and he was the best at it for a long time. Nothing wrong with kicking the tires, but I'm I'm gonna put him in the no thank you bucket. There's just too many other things going on. There's a lot of other uh, interesting names coming here. There's Eric Harris, Bradley McDougald, uh, you know, Jalen Mills played a little safety. You could go in a number of different directions here. And the safety market is really saturated, even with the uh, free, the, the franchise tags that happen to the kind of top end guys. So I think you can get a, a, a safety in free agency. And I don't love the safeties in the draft. So I actually think this is a really important thing for the Vikings to do. And this weekend, we'll see uh, how much space they make. And then we'll kind of talk about where things stand on Sunday. So a quick peek behind the curtain before I go, I have to record the Monday episode on Sunday night, obviously, so it can be out on Monday morning. So I w won't know anything that happened in the, the first day of legal tampering. So it'll be a little bit more of a kind of uh, overall review. Here's where the Vikings are at. Here's the cap space. Here's the needs for people who are kind of just tuning in right now for kind of the, the preview who haven't been listening, you know, throughout all of uh, February and March. So if, if that's a little redundant to you, I apologize. And I thank you for listening to uh, all of the the other times that you've heard me talk about that on this show. And we will do a mock draft Monday. Uh, if there's no news at all, for some reason, which I highly doubt, but if there is no news, we'll spend all day on a mock draft.
Minecraft Monday. Uh, otherwise, we'll you know just do one segment like we have been, and then we'll reset everything next week after free agency. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings, and I'll see you all next week for the big week. And as always, skull. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.